0: Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined by Chloe Bloxham and Chris Coughlin to react to the breaking news that Cody Gakpo is on his way to Liverpool and also reflect on Liverpool's victory at Aston Villa.
1: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
0: So we're sat here at um, 11 minutes past 10 on A Monday night on Boxing Day, obviously, and moments ago, really, it's been confirmed by PSV Eindhoven that Cody Gakpo is going to be signing for Liverpool. He's on his way uh, to undergo a medical, sign his contract, and become a Liverpool player. The fee is, by all accounts, 37 million initially, potentially rising to 50 million. And this really has come out of nowhere. There was a few links about during the World Cup and indications of was interest, but in terms of the move being this far advanced, there was no, not really any sign of that before Paul Joyce popped up, um, not long after Liverpool's victory over Aston Villa, and as ever in the world of Liverpool transfers, things were a bit of a whirlwind after that. So, Chloe, I'll come to you first of all. Initial reaction to this news of a, a big January sign of Liverpool?
2: Excitement, really, to be honest, because... I mean, the footy is back. We've just got a massive win against Aston Villa. We looked fresh. Um, I mean, we we could have scored 10 goals today. It was like we had that many chances. Um, And you know what? To add another player... I, there was this talk a couple of weeks ago when we heard about Lewis Diaz and we pushed him back too soon. He got out injured. I was absolutely gutted and I felt gutted for for Man City because that is a game where he could have maybe seen a couple of minutes if he doesn't get re-injured. And I did feel like we needed, because of that Diaz injury and because you don't know where Jota is um, and if he has a re-occurring injury, it was the case of, I just felt gutted. I felt like we needed another player there. Um and to, you know, you know, to not expect anything I Have a boss boxing day, the Reds win. You get home and you just sat there trying to watch Arsenal, you know, as a, an indifferent person. And then all of a sudden your mentions go absolutely mental. Paul Joyce announces it. And an hour later, we've apparently signed him. It like escalated so quickly. And um, it's boss. It's exciting. And I can't wait for him to, to join up with the squad um, and go again because he does look an exciting young prospect.
0: Absolutely. And uh I think we would all find it maybe a little bit difficult. Or, or maybe not all of us, maybe there were a few sorts of diehard optimists in there, but, di- but difficult to to work up the motivation again for the return of, of the domestic season, given how the first part of it went, Um and you know, the way the World Cup ended, obviously, and you know, the defeat against Man City, things like that. It, and and the Diaz injury, like you mentioned, all these factors kind of combine and you're like, God, I've got to really sort of motivate myself. But yeah, the way today's gone has kind of um inspired a bit of hope. But Chris, uh, same question to you. Really, um, we we can talk, I suppose, on a future episode once we've digested it a bit more in terms of, I guess, the, the the tactical elements, the fit, the the style, things like that. But just initial and initial thoughts, and and what you think, really, as well of, of that kind of transfer fee, obviously potential for for fifty million there. But it, it's really a similar bracket, I suppose, to the kind of Luis Diaz deal, if not almost identical in terms of uh, in terms of money that's being paid.
1: Yeah, um, I, I echo a lot of what Chloe said. Really exciting signing, young signing, a signing that has a lot of potential. Um, he's been heavily courted by Manchester United, as, as has been quite public, really, hasn't it? Um, especially in the summer, when they ultimately went after Anthony. Um, and there were rumours about going back in for, for Gakpo uh, in January from, from Manchester United. But you know, for Liverpool to decide on this transfer and to go for him so quickly and effectively, it, it's fantastic. Um, I totally agree with what you say about Luis Diaz because it kind of has, it has echoes of that, doesn't it? Maybe not as dramatic given how late in the window Luis Diaz was, and, and this is very much even before the windows even opened. But you're looking at his, his stats the last few seasons as well, and his, his goal-scoring ratio really has taken a step in the last Few seasons, 21 for P.S.V. last season. He already had 13 um, at, at this time um, in in the or in uh, in all competitions for P.S.V. this season as well. And in the World Cup, to move on to your next point about the fee in the World Cup, especially in the group stage, we we saw a lot to like about Cody Gakpo, his movement, his finishing. Because in the World Cup as well, he scored three goals, one of them with his head, one of them with his left foot, and one of them with his right foot. So. That shows a vast array of finishing that he's capable of. And to comment on the transfer fee, I am a bit surprised because it feels very similar to the fee, certainly the base fee of around £37 million, what we're led to believe. The base fee sounds a lot like the fee they were looking for in the summer. So there's no real increase on that compared to his World Cup appearances, which does surprise me. To be honest, of course, we don't know what the the add-ons are around thirteen million pounds in add-ons. Uh, you'd imagine PSV would have liked them to have been achievable add-ons, as is the case for for most teams these days. You know, you, you want add-ons that you feel will ultimately end up with the money in your pocket. But overall, I think for for a twenty-three year old who is really emerging on the world stage, it's a very good deal for Liverpool, on the face bit of course, I've said a few times before, every signing has gambles attached to it, but he's a player that's chosen Liverpool as well, Chelsea and United were very much suitors for January and um, I think a few discussions with Virgil van Dijk might have taken place in Qatar, who am I to say, but uh, overall yes it's a brilliant way to end Boxing Day.
0: And not only in Qatar, but van Dijk also said after the game about how he kind of wanted to see a couple of new faces in, in January. So I guess you wouldn't, obviously, with him knowing Gakpo personally, did he know something about that as he heard from the player already? And maybe is that why he sort of said it? Because it was a bit of an eyebrow uh, raising comments. And it's interesting thing about the summer, as you kind of mentioned there, Chris. Uh, f- from what I've read, Gakpo was, was very close uh, to actually joining Leeds in, in the summer, um, to the extent that I think uh, Victor Ross, their director of football, was flying out to. To Eindhoven with his private jet and the plan was to bring Gakpo back um, to to Yorkshire and, and present him as a Leeds player but they couldn't ultimately hash out the deal um, and then obviously Gakpo has this amazing start to the season um, and a very good World Cup too and at that point he's out of the range of, of teams like Leeds and uh, it looks like Liverpool have potentially beaten Manchester United in the race for a signature as well. Um, we'll talk about his record in a second but Obviously, the context of signing, Chloe, is that, like you said earlier, Diaz out um, until March, Jotter out um, until February, we think. Um, do you see this signing as um, as a response to that? Or is it more the case of, of like, you know, we lost obviously a couple of attackers last summer, we, we got one in. But did this need to be done anyway, sort of independent of those injuries that Liverpool need? Another body in their in their attacking ranks for that kind of strength in depth.
2: Yeah, I think you could see last year, you know, we, we were fighting on all four fronts and we had players like Alex Oxley Chamberlain, who was available but was never ever picked because for whatever reason Jürgen Klopp didn't think we should bring him into rotate. He mustn't have thought he was good enough. Um and Ox can play, I thought he played really good tonight, obviously, against Aston Villa um and he can play in that from three positions he, he's played striker for us when the afcon was on he's played right wing and he's played left wing now um but i still felt like we needed another body you know we lost to kumi minarino divok and sadio mane um and yet we bought diaz obviously in the january but we've only really bought darwin nunes and that was it and we've lost three bodies on top of that you have a Firmino who like last year, was out quite a lot. Right now, he's out injured, and he's had a month off. So I don't know what he's done to get injured. Um, so you always felt like you needed another body in there because right now we are stretched. We are without Jota, Diaz, Firmino, and we're ask we're going to have to ask the same three players to continue going again. Um, if 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 they can, and who knows because. Ox doesn't have a great record when it comes to injuries. Darwin Nunes so far this season has had a couple of niggles here and there. um And it's also a, a kind of passing on the baton. You know, we had this unstoppable, unbelievable front three. You know, Bobby, Salah, and Mane. Well, we've lost one of them already. Mane uh, obviously went. Firmino's getting on, getting into the latter stage of his career. I'd, I'd say that about Salah, but Salah's just absolutely ridiculous. um but it, it does feel like, you know, we're not just thinking about now, we're thinking about the future. Um, and adding another body right now is crucial to Liverpool um, if if we want to, you know, get something out of the season. But also, it's massive because if anyone felt like me, after that Lewis Diaz news, I've, I've sat here gutted because he's such a boss player and we're without him. And it felt like we were missing him. Uh, we, we would miss him a lot, obviously. Um, but to bring Gakpo in... It means that your um and, and Darwin can now fight it out, you know, when, when Diaz comes back, and fight it out for striker. And you've got, you know, Diaz and Gakpa but fighting it out in the wing. You've got Saladay. Um, it just feels like healthy competition. And you always need more bodies. And it's not just about having bodies. It's about having bodies who can actually come in, who can challenge, rival, be competitive, and... Um, and can lift everyone else's game up and be a game changer
0: yeah that was a point i was going to make actually and about sort of the the comparison I, I guess to to diaz last winter and and how it did lift the spirits in the camera and i think those van dyke comments can't kind of point to that about um almost everyone in the squad even recognizing the need for new signings and to go public with that is is quite noteworthy but chris I, i'll bring you back in now um there's a couple more sorts of angles on this that, that i want to discuss i think we'll start with sort of how we might kind of fit in to the team this season he's played all 24 games as a left winger uh, according to transfer marcus if you look kind of at his career as a whole again is it it's a heavy preference towards that left wing but we did see him in the world cup operating in, in kind of a front two really in a central role uh, for the netherlands so On paper, Liverpool look well-stocked at left wing with with Diaz and Jota, um, at least when they're fully fit. Is there an opportunity maybe for Gakpo to be a successor to Roberto Firmino, who could potentially leave, if not at the end of this season, uh, within the next couple of years? Because you'd think that Liverpool are signing him not not to just play on that left-hand side, which is probably going to be Diaz's position when, when he's fully fit, but also to operate elsewhere within that front three.
1: You took the words out of my mouth really when you mentioned about his role in Qatar, in in the forward line for for the Dutch because I think what the beauty of the forwards under Jurgen Klopp is is that there aren't too many that you can really just pin to one position. Um, Even Nunez, look, I I think the main thing that we need to see him is in the box, but nevertheless, he's so used to being on that left-hand side, drifting out to that uh, at that area. But I think the beauty of the forwards in the Klopp era is that they're comfortable pretty much anywhere across the forward line. And I think Cody Gakpo is somebody who, from what I have seen, and I'm not going to claim to be an Ere de expert, there's other people to talk about that. But what I have seen about Cody Gakpo, you know, in, in the Europa League, for example, in, in the World Cup, um, I've seen a man who's very comfortable Across those positions, and his three goals for Holland at the World Cup ultimately came in those central roles, didn't he? Didn't it? Um, the header was inside the box. The the left foot strike was just outside the penalty area. Is a brilliant hit as well. And then the goal against Qatar was in particular. He came in from that left hand side onto his right foot. Lovely sweeping finish into the far corner. And just to kind of pick up on the the healthy competition points that Chloe was making, I was thinking then about. other other teams that I've seen with competition, for example. And I can't claim to be um, that knowledgeable on maybe the United team of like 1999, around that era. But that was a team, that was a squad rather, that had Andy Cole, Dwight York, Teddy Sheringham, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and managed to keep them all happy. And then a more recent one, United of around 2007, 2008, Ronaldo Berbatov. Tevez and Rooney. So you're talking to the most successful teams, squads of our lifetimes with an absolute embarrassment of riches up front. And ultimately it's about having options, isn't it? It's about having the depth. Some players might suit a certain game. Some some players might suit another game. And ultimately Liverpool had to get a body in, in January because of the length of the Jota injury, of the Diaz injury and as Chloe said as well, the the reoccurrence of Jota's injury, I don't want that to become a concern because I'm a massive fan of Diogo Jota, but if it is going to become a recurring theme for him it's a worry so getting someone in, like so Cody Gakpo, he's quick he's strong, he can clearly finish that's really, really promising and also, if a player knows he's got to compete to play for a club like Liverpool, will that not make him hungrier? So I think They'll have looked at the mental side of his game as well, and I think there's a lot of promising aspects. And and also, you know, we talked about Klopp's more significant role in the transfer market in, in transfer recruitment, and he'd have to be given this the go-ahead, wouldn't he? And I think that that says a lot about Cody Gakpo and what Jurgen Klopp thinks about him.
0: I think that last bit is is a great point and a, quite a crucial one, and I'm, I guess we'll find out. Um... In the coming days as more kind of information emerges around the transfer who, who is the driving force is it coming from the scouting departments is it coming from Klopp, or, or is it both and that will probably give us a good indication of sort of the, the power dynamics inside the club and you know we've got to consider as well the fact that liverpool are operating with a sporting director who, who's on his way at the end of the season and they told us that it would be business as usual in january and there's obviously the sale as well huge points um the possibility of the club being sold they said it'd be business as usual be a bit skeptical about that but you know boxing day and already it looks like there's a sign in the pipeline someone who should be hopefully through the door on new year's day and um, if we just look at the fixtures um wolves in the fa cup would look like a likely debut for gacpo and um, it all depends on whether he could get registered in time to play on the 2nd of january against brentford so that one would probably be um, a bit of a close call but just one other point on this um, according to David Ornstein, seeing Gakpo's chosen Liverpool over Man United and Chelsea, which is always a very nice tier and um we've seen we've seen that quite a few times, obviously, and, and maybe has been an element, like you say, of, of Van Dijk or, or maybe Klopp himself selling that that kind of anfield dream to him. Um one of the last points I want to sort of touch on, um, Chloe, on Gakpo, and then we'll talk about Aston Villa for a little bit. Um, his record this season is absolutely outstanding and you'll look at it and maybe compare it to other young talents in Europe, like 30 goals slash assists in 24 matches, 17 assists as well um, on its own is, is a staggering figure. Obviously, the caveat to all of that is he is playing in the Eredivisie, which is um, even weaker than the Portuguese league, which is where we've shopped um, a few times recently. Um, obviously, Nunez still getting up to speed. Diaz has looked good. Is it a concern that he's not maybe... I know he's done well at the World Cup, obviously, but is it concerned that he's not consistently delivered in in an elite league? Um, and do you find it interesting, I suppose, that Liverpool are showing this willingness to, to shop outside those those very big markets and maybe take a little bit more of a chance on players?
2: I think you could have said the same about, you know, at the moment, Darwin Nunes. Um there's a lot of people talking about his finishing, but I think he'll he'll be a brilliant player for Liverpool. Is the the movement, the runs in behind, you know, the finishing is just the problem, but I think that'll come. You could have said the same about Lewis Diaz, and once again, phenomenal player, setting well, set the Premier League alight before he got injured. Maybe finishing, you know, the the final uh, bit of quality isn't there yet, but that always can come. I think instead of looking at the negatives and and potentially saying, yeah, but he's he's only done it in, in the Dutch league. I think you, you, you look at Jürgen Klopp and what he's done with players who, you know, Sadio Mane played for Southampton. You know, we were the one who took a chance on Sadio Mane and look at what Jürgen Klopp got out of him. There has been so many cases of that. Andrew Robertson, different part of the the pitch. But, you know, we signed him for eight million. He's just broke a record tonight. You know, the most Premier League assists by a defender. You know, he's, he's beat some of the biggest, you know, defenders that you know. Ashley Cole, Aiton Baines, all these players that you think of. So instead of looking at maybe why it can't go wrong, look at exactly why it can go right. You've got Jürgen Klopp as a manager who clearly wants him. We don't go around spending money all the time, we don't go picking players just because we need them, we've highlighted them, we've looked at them and we've gone and done it silently we've gone and put the groundwork in whilst no one has expected or seen anything, it feels like it's came out of nowhere, so it's evident that we wanted him um, and he's he's got the players alongside him who's going to give him the chances and he's going to create and hopefully he's going to finish off the chances Um, he fits into the system and he's got Jürgen Klopp, who's going to be progressing him. And that is really all I look at. Um, he looks, he's young, bright, looks like he's got a great future ahead of him. And now when you add Jürgen Klopp as his manager um, and the system we've got at making players who are only 30, 40 million be 100 mil plus players, it's happened before. There's a track record there that can happen again. Um, and there's clearly something there that we've seen to go all out for him and to get it done before the transfer window even open. Um, so instead of looking at that, I'm going to look at the side that, you know, he's coming into a much better side, a side where he's going to get a lot more opportunities because we create more chances. Um, and then he's coming into a club where he's going to be adored. The atmosphere is going to be incredible. Um, it's exciting. And you've got Jürgen Klopp there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just think it's it's perfect.
0: All those reasons to be optimistic and um, yeah, you've got to credit how quickly Liverpool have moved and, and how swiftly they've operated, which is uh, what you want to see from the club after some transfer windows where they've maybe been a little bit um more disorganized, you, you might say. Um, this is probably the second biggest story of the day now, but Liverpool played earlier on um, and got a, a good win against Aston Villa 3 one so we'll we'll talk about that a little bit before we before we finish up uh, Chris. I said on Twitter that I think this is, while the performance wasn't perfect by any means, I think this is a really good victory in terms of, you know, and facing an Aston Villa side who had picked up a couple of wins, including one against Man United, also beating Brighton who were up there in the Premier League this season, you know, under the lights, Boxing Day, new manager. You know, it's definitely one where you can kind of trip up. But for, you know, for a side that, that wants to be in the top four, it was almost a, a test of their mettle and they did pass it.
1: Absolutely, I think the Spurs result earlier in the day as well um, just emphasised the need to just get the win, you know, get get, get back to playing domestically after such a, a long break and get back with what the first half really was an absolutely fantastic display, um, and it really could have been anything. Um, of course, Darwin Nunez is the hot topic after the game, isn't he? Because, you know. I think he had four big chances. I've seen some stats flying around. He's had 16 big chances this season. He's only scored four of them um, and, and things like that. But the big difference around Darwin Nunez, without trying to make this discussion all about him, is that I've seen so many forwards maybe mess up a pass or miss a chance. And they'll go sulking and they'll go hiding and they just won't want to touch the ball again. He demands the ball when he's in opportunities. And I would so much rather him keep going and get in the positions to score goals so that the ball can be delivered to him than hide away and be shy and not want the ball passed to him. And I think that is a fantastic quality of Darwin Nunez. And I think the the, the amount of chances that he's going to get, he will score goals for Liverpool. I do genuinely think that. And I think players like Gakpo could well help him in that regard as well. But Overall, again, look, we're seeing Salah look a lot better now. Trent Alexander-Arnold was just showing you know what what England missed in certain parts of the World Cup. That to Robertson was just absolutely spectacular. I thought Jordan Henderson was brilliant. Robertson, as Chloe mentioned, you know, eight million pound from Hull. We talk about bargains; they don't get much bigger than that. <laughs> about five and a half years ago, and he, he really is one of the, the all-time great Liverpool fullbacks. Of course, there was a bit of a storm to weather, and I do think Villa deserved a goal at least in terms of, they they had fashioned some considerable chances before that and just not had a finishing touch and it was a very good header from Ollie Watkins but then I thought the discipline Liverpool showed after Aston Villa got back into the game, I thought it was excellent and the way they saw it out was superb as well and you know, Stefan Bacetic I'm liking what I'm seeing of him more and more and more, yes he missed a penalty against Derby County but Some of the best players in the world of all time have missed from 12 yards and it was never something you could criticise him for. So overall, there are plenty of positives to take from the game and move ahead to Leicester. And the main one, obviously with the result, is moving to within uh, five points of the top four with a game in hand, which is a great way to start the restart.
0: Yeah plenty of of positive stories definitely you know by Salah scoring that you know wonderfully taken goal like you mentioned Robertson breaking the record onto eight assists now for the season which is a fantastic number and yeah Mo Salah as well got to make sure we always give give him a mention when, when he delivers he's um, on loyalties six, yeah 16 goals
1: now it's, for uh, I, Mohamed Salah he's only 3 behind he's only 3 behind Robbie Fowler now as well for, for Premier League goals for Liverpool yeah and is that I
0: think level with Kenny
1: Dalglish all time as well uh, yeah, because he's got one hundred and seventy-two all-time now. Yeah,
0: which is pretty, ball, which pretty, is going to be pretty momentous when he when he but, grabs that, awful. hopefully, Anfield on um on Friday, obviously, against Leicester. But Chloe, obviously, all that um all the kind of positive angles, I suppose. Um, so it's good to you know acknowledge those. But Nunes is probably the it's a bit of a grey area. Um, his performance tonight and It probably is the main discussion points arising from the game. Um, Amazon gave him player of the match, or or Andy Townsend did. Um, What did you think of that? Because it was a a strange performance in a way, because it had everything you'd possibly want, except the most important bit, if you like.
2: Yeah, it was one of them where, during the game, I was getting frustrated. Um, And I could feel myself getting frustrated, because there was so many chances that he had to kill the game off, and... The the runs were incredible. A a, a lot of the time he was miles offside, and everyone could tell you, uh, um, aside from him. He he needs to sort that out, that's what I'll say. There are times when he's just stood in offside positions asking for the ball, and you're like, well, we can't give it to you because, like, just look around you, please. Um, But you know what? He went time and time again. He he so very easily cut around, I don't know, 65, turned around and went... I've done about 40 runs in behind, you know, I'm too tired, like, I'm I'm just too tired to go again. But instead, he kept occupying those defenders, he kept making them think, and he kept doing the balls in behind. It creates more space for everyone else when he makes those runs. And he was absolutely, you know, crucial to our third goal. And at the end of it, when you look at his performance, yeah, he didn't get a goal but he was exciting. He was our most influential player. He never, ever stopped. And the reason we had so much space and so many chances is because, well, half of them fell to him, but he was creating them. He was putting the effort in and making the runs and getting in the correct positions. Um, And getting man of the match is probably because of how many times he just went again and the situations and positions he picked up and the impact they have on, you know, other players around and scoring and creating and yeah it it was a game where the only thing you really wanted them to do was was get a goal to top it all off but you didn't need it because we'd scored three already without him and one of them he pretty much set up um so it's a game where I sit there and yeah he's missed some big chances but I'm excited because I know that everything's brilliant aside from the finishing but the finishing will come you know, think back to just before the World Cup started, he finally sort of got himself in a rhythm and you thought you couldn't really stop him. Well, I think that'll come back. I'm not worried about anything. The finishing is the only thing that needs sorting out and that'll come with time, it'll come with practice, it'll come with, you know, being under Jürgen Klopp and, and the, the staff. Um, but I'd be more worried if he wasn't getting any chances at all and he wasn't in the game when actually he is the vocal point of this team, he is the one that's involved in absolutely everything um, and I'm absolutely all for it
1: I just want to make a comment as well on you know, people throw out the whole Andy Carroll stuff he's on an, he's on another level to Andy Carroll in so many ways and the pace for one alone is, a t- is just puts him above Andy Carroll on that front, but Andy Carroll's record for Liverpool was 6 goals in 44 games Nunez has nine in twenty, so I I just think it—they are crazy comparisons. I know Mm. you know people can associate the the misses or maybe maybe looks a bit unfashionable in front of goal at times, but the more that this is this is now the start of his first proper run in this Liverpool team, and I do genuinely think we'll see the benefits of that.
0: Yeah. Then. Ultimately, the the Carroll thing, I think it, it's probably partly down to his hairstyle and, and trying yeah. <laughs> trying, and trying to get trying to get in his head, um, a little bit. Um, I wanted to to touch on the defending, but was there a a final thing you wanted to to add on Nunez first, Chloe?
2: Yeah, the the only thing I want to you know put on Nunez is that, um, I mean you you think about how good he's doing right now and what he did today. That's with Alex Oxley chamberlain I'm not trying to crop on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, but it's not who we want on left wing. We'd want either Luis Diaz or Jota, or obviously Darwin Nunes. Um, so you've also got to put in the, the point that he's it's still relatively new. He's still getting used to the players around him, um, and he could have had four or five tonight, yet he didn't finish them. Um, but I, I don't think anyone should be worried at all about Darwin Nunes.
0: No, and crucially, he's finding ways to contribute in games where he isn't otherwise playing well, assist against Man City and in, in what was a very similar game. And, um, and tonight, obviously, like you said, creating that, that third goal. But yeah, Chris, the, bit, the thing that's dragged Liverpool down uh, so far this season hasn't really been their attack. You know, they've actually attacked pretty well for the most part. It's been just how wide open they are, how many chances they're giving up. Um, Today, they... Gave Villa ten shots inside their own box, um, and also gave up four big chances. Obviously, Villa only scored one. I mean, that's something they've absolutely got to clean up, hasn't it? Um, you know, after we're coming off the the World Cup break now, a little bit concerning to, to see it uh, pop up again in that first game. But it, surely that that's something that is you know going to drag this team down if they don't uh, if they don't see to it and start getting those numbers back to where they towards where they used to be.
1: Yeah, because. Last year, especially, the, the offside trap was just so effective. And it worked today, ultimately, in catching Ollie Watkins offside. But it's just such a risky one to play when the team as a whole isn't defending to its best of its abilities. And you know, we mentioned, I think, in some of the top of my head there, the Leon Bailey chance when he swung at it with his right foot. Ollie Watkins had a few more opportunities. There was one for Kamara as well. In the first half. And against better teams. Not to disrespect Aston Villa. Or teams with better finishes. Liverpool don't get away with that today. So it's all well and good. Reflecting on a win. Reflecting on three valuable valuable points. But it is also. You quite rightly. Worth pointing out that. It can't all be. uh, Roses and rainbows. And everything like that. It, It is about. There is still a lot of work to do in this Liverpool team and you know, we look at ahead to, to Leicester, if you like. James Madison didn't play today, whether he's available for Friday we'll have to wait and see as well. But they've got a very similar kind of output to Aston Villa in many ways in terms of the way they attack and Leicester have you know caused Liverpool problems in, in recent years, especially I'm thinking the um the three one game in, in Covid at the King Power, however Liverpool literally had to line up with Jordan Henderson at centre-back that day. But if I'm talking about the similarities to Aston Villa, of course, Jamie Vardy, Pat and, uh, and Dakar, two very pacey forwards who like to play on the shoulder, like to try and get in behind Jamie Vardy. You know, we, we've seen many times what he's done to Liverpool, both at the King Power and at Anfield. So, you know, it, maybe it's a kind of game that he just looks at and goes... He enjoys playing against Liverpool, so that's something Liverpool will have to be very um, cautious of in particular. And up until recently, Leicester had a good defensive record before today, but Newcastle, they're, they're just riding the crest of a wave, aren't they, at the moment? And Harvey Barnes as well. I, I am a massive, massive fan of Harvey Barnes. I think he's been linked to Liverpool in the not-too-distant past. Um, he's, a, he's a very good player. Love, you know, he'll be up against Trent Alexander-Arnold, which, again, Um, Did he have his best game today, Trent? Going forward, I thought he was excellent again. There were one or two times where I thought he got caught at the back post. Um, But maybe that's a bit of rustiness. So, I do see Friday's opponents as a very similar task to Liverpool. Sorry, as a very similar task to Aston Villa. Um, Pardon. But I think Liverpool will know that. And it's about shoring up at the back and... Not thinking, oh, can they get three like Newcastle did? It's about getting three, three, getting three points is more important than getting three goals. That's that's the bottom line for Liverpool at the moment.
0: Yeah, you want to see that that more solidity. So an encouraging result today, but still, um, some issues to address there. So thanks very much, uh, Chris and Chloe, for for jumping on at Short Notice uh, for this podcast. We'll definitely have more Gakpo chat as that one hopefully moves towards uh, confirmation um, prior to the new year or around then. And yet, like Chris was alluding to, their next game is at, on Friday against Leicester at Anfield. So, yeah, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a five-star review and, you know, share it with your friends. And also um, pop the uh, notification button on so you get uh, notified every time we post an episode. But, yeah, we will be back uh, within the next few days, hopefully, uh, for another episode of the Zone Restricted. But, yeah, until the next one, take care.